Welcome back to another episode of Lily of the Herbs podcast. I'm here in Malambimbi with Luke on a rainy Tuesday. And we're really excited to chat with you today about one of our biggest shared passions, which is Zen Taishiatsu, an incredible form of bodywork. And what we're really wanting to share with you is, and what you'll get out of this podcast, is hopefully an understanding of how herbs and bodywork work together and can really complement one another. And we're going to discuss some of the key elemental patterns that we see manifested in clients. And then we're going to sort of talk about how they um, can be treated also with herbs and lifestyle and diet advice. And so, yeah, I guess I might start with how I came to Zentai Shiatsu. And I suppose that really came to me. I've always worked with plants, as everyone knows, and love the way that they have different personalities and elemental makeups. And I've just been fascinated mainly in the beginning with how to grow them and how they like to grow and where they like to grow and how we can eat and work with them. And then I started becoming interested in how we can make medicine out of them. And that took me down this whole manufacturing and growing medicinal plants um, journey. And I think it was only maybe when I was like maybe four, maybe six years ago, then I, for the first time in my life, had some health stuff come up, some digestive things and then I was like oh wow yeah I want to know how to actually understand the human body and that's when I started my degree in herbalism and I was doing that for a few years but that's quite heady degrees um, a lot of you may know just working in that framework and so I realized that I wanted to be able to touch people as well and really fluidly uh, Zentai Shiatsu came into my life which is this incredible mode Dality, and so did Luke. And so welcome, Luke. Thank you, Lily. <laughs> You're just sitting patiently there. Um, yeah, and that's where we met, and we just deeply love this practice. So do you want to tell us a little bit about Zen Taishiatsu? Mm, absolutely. Well, thanks for that introduction. Um, Zen Taishiatsu is, is a beautiful bodywork modality. Um, just one thing that I think I should probably touch on from your introduction is I think it's not unique your case if, if people sort of starting out working with plants or working with the body and then finding they want to work with the other one as well yeah. and I think a big reason for that is they're both sort of forms of medicine or forms of therapy or healing which really want to work with the underlying patterns or the underlying energy of what's happening in the body. So very different from sort of our kind of Western medicine mindset of, yeah, you've got a sore finger, let's chop it off. Like that <laughs> kind of real sort of segregation, that separation. So, yeah. And that's, that's really critical. Um, a really sort of critical foundation is Zentai Shiatsu as well. It's really built heavily on especially traditional Chinese medicine. So traditional Chinese medicine, they use five elements, their specific five elements, which is water, what have we got? Water, wood, fire, metal, and earth. Um, but these elements are really, you can think of them as a lens to try and understand what's happening with these major energy networks in the body. I guess that's how I'd describe what traditional Chinese medicine is in mm. terms of a kind of Western understanding of science. Um, so yeah, Zentai Shiatsu, 
builds from this, for me, the foundation is in trying to understand what's happening in those deep energetic patterns, which come before anything else in the body. Um, and then from there, finding the best way to sort of work with them, whether that be point work or work directly on meridian lines or pressure work to take tension or stress out of particular areas of the body or internal organ work, whatever it is. Um, not actually internal organ work. We're not getting in there and touching <laughs> organs. We do poke our fingers in though. Well, into the belly, yes. Into the belly, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, so Zento Shiatsu itself, it's um, put together by a, an amazing, incredible man, um, Gwyn Williams, based up in the Sunshine Coast, who came from background uh, of many things. He, he was a teacher originally and then became an international yoga teacher um, and dabbled in Thai massage, Zen Shiatsu, osteopathic techniques, um, a bunch of things and find of, kind of found the best of all these different worlds and brought them together into a modality that was not just highly beneficial therapeutically but it, it's a modality that really flows it a session is like a dance in a way so and why that's important is because a lot of the work we're doing um, isn't so much with a particular muscle or tendon or something it's working with the nervous system it's working with the energy and so fluid flow and fluidity and those sort of things become very important when you're doing that sort of work Mm, definitely yeah yeah we're putting people into this rest and digest parasympathetic nervous system state where repatterning can occur and things can relax and change and shift and sense yeah like wind says it's like we're working listening to a deeper rhythm mm, mm. Mm, and that's yeah that's beautiful and it's these elements which um i guess yeah using this elemental framework it's, it's the same framework that we can look at plants with. And that's one of the frameworks which I work with with plant medicine is I'm looking at the underlying elemental makeup of a plant. You know, it's got this fiery nature that comes through with a little bit of, little bit of um, air as well, the qualities of air. And then so I'm working to balance and complement um, the manifestations within the body. And it's this seamless kind of interchange. And I think we we're going to talk about this later, but I think it just comes in naturally here. It is like one of my lecturers was saying to me the other day that um, so often you can be working for a long time. Like if you're a practitioner listening to this, you might relate. You're working for such a long time with someone. You've got this great herbal formula. Their diet's just beautiful. Everything's perfect, but there isn't this shift happening. And then she's saying like you send them to someone for some body work or some energy work. And then suddenly the medicine can go in and there's this big shift. And so we, we've got to work with the physical form, the energetic form and with plants and with our hands. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, I mm. think it's, it's such a critical thing for everyone in any field, even just as a human being to understand is this distinction between matter and energy, which we think of in Western science as being quite distinct really is not that distinct at all um, matter can become energy energy can become matter very quickly and uh, the example that was given to me that really like cemented that for myself was um, if you think of a thought and a thought is just energy and, and say you have a thought which is like oh I'm worried I'm going to lose my job 
and you just look at like the physical reaction from that single thought and how quickly that happens and that that little piece of energy gets transformed into matter in the form of chemicals so quickly and those chemicals can have such an impact on the body you know you watch your heart rate go up your face flush you get red you feel it in your belly like all of these things it's a material reaction to something that happened energetically mm, definitely and if these things if these patterns are happening habitually then it's forming something chronic and so often with like in today we work with so many chronic conditions and I think that yeah Zentai is so fluid and such an amazing asymmetrical symmetrical everything dance that it just like shakes just shakes us and repatterns us as well mm, gives that um, opportunity to reset totally yeah so one of the things that I'm really excited to talk about in this podcast with you Luke is um we want to talk about we want to just talk about the elements the five element theory briefly give an overview of it and then talk about how it presents some patterns some imbalances for instance like a water imbalance can present in the body and then talk about supportive herbs moves and practices and how those herbal medicine and body work really work together to really deliver a holistic practice so um, do you want to just talk us through a really basic five element theory? Sure, sure. So um, different systems of traditional medicine have a slightly different take on what the elements are. So Ayurveda, for example. Ayurveda. Ayurveda. <laughs> I have a pronunciation problem. It's fine. I just have to correct you every time. <laughs> uh, which is the Indian traditional system of medicine um, mm. uses slightly different elements, but at its heart, the elements are about the meridians. And so in TCM, there's sort of 10 key meridians that they look at. And, and the meridian is an energy line which runs up and down the body. Exactly, yep. yeah. It's an energy channel. Um, and we know that these energy channels are there. And we know that from work, for example, that they do on acupuncture, where they've clinically tested acupuncture again and again and again and again, hundreds, thousands of times. And... They simply know that it works and acupuncture is simply working with the energy channel that's all it is yeah. so yeah tcm five different elements uh water wood fire metal earth each is connected to they call it two organs but it's not so much the physical organ we're talking about when we when we talk about these organs but the meridian um which has a link to that organ if that makes sense you can probably put that better so we have fire. Yes. Which is, so, oh, you're going to do it? No, you do it. Okay. Oh, well, now you're going to test my memory. All right. So we've started, no, let's start with metal. So we've got metal and that's corresponding organs and meridian lines that run through the body is the large intestine and the lungs. Mm. And then <clears throat> there is water and the corresponding meridian lines and organs are the kidneys and bladder. And then we have earth, corresponding organs and lines of stomach and spleen. And then we have wood, corresponding organs and meridian lines, liver and gallbladder. And then we have fire. And that actually has a few, but the main ones we're going to talk about is the heart and small intestine. There's also pericardium, triple heater, but we don't need to talk about them. So, yeah. 
And, and I think you started talking about how other different, different system, different traditional medicine systems have different elements that they work with. Mm. So for instance, yeah, in Ayurvedic medicine, they talk about the um, air, ether, earth, fire and water. And also in traditional herb, Western herbal medicine, they also use that system as well. So it's slightly different. They kind of fit together and they kind of don't, but don't get don't, don't get worry con- don't worry about it. Yeah. Just like let's just work with this five elemental um, theory from traditional Chinese medicine today. So we have um, metal, water, earth, fire, and wood. Fire and wood. Thank you. Yeah, I think probably the key point is there's three that all the different systems, whether we look at England or India or China, wherever they all agree on, which is fire, earth, and water. Mm. And then it, it's these last two, which sort of there can be slightly different tweaks. They're all saying the same thing in a slightly different way. Mm. Um, but yeah, water, uh, sorry, wood and metal are the two, which take a little bit to wrap your head around in TCM. But key point, these are all just lenses. They're all just ways of understanding something. And what we're trying to understand is the underlying energetic system of the body. Mm, yeah, definitely. And, and I guess you sort of you can sort of talk about someone as being maybe having having these traits so like a, a sort of an earthy person they've mm. you know maybe they've got a little bit heavier in the body like they're grounded mm. they're warm energy that people are drawn to them mm. um they're steady and solid you know and then you've got a fiery person and it's ruled by the heart and their center of community they sing they're colorful they mm. um yeah, they're social, they have a beautiful laugh, you know, there's, there's that. And then maybe there's someone who's metal element and they're precise and direct and good with maths, <laughs> good with the fine detail, like they cut to the, straight to the point, you know, that's very, so there's that sort of like a personality, the elements can work with our personality. We might, and we're all a bit of both. You know, we're all a little bit of everything, predominantly more. I'm like quite watery and fiery. You're like woody, metally, fiery. Um, but they can, and they can also manifest in plants, you know, like plants can mm. be watery, plants can be based on the water element, plants can be fiery plants. Um, and yeah, but they can also have imbalances. So we can be predominantly a watery person and have some imbalances in that area. And that's what we're going to talk about is some common key imbalances that you see within those five elements now. Yeah, and it's probably just pointing out that you can have, uh, in TCM they'll often talk about excess or deficiency. Mm. And each element can go either way. And they do say in TCM, the more dominant an element is in your personality, the more likely it is to go into imbalance. And that imbalance could be an excess or it, it or it could be a deficiency. Mm. There's no hard and fast rules. There's just patterns. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Yeah. Oh, it's just so amazing, actually. The more, the deeper and the longer I study all of it, you know, going and seeing and looking from different lenses. When I look from the China, traditional Chinese medicine lens, when I look from a Western herbal medicine lens, when I look from an Ayurvedic lens, I look from when I look from a sort of biomedical lens. It's mm. all. You can you can explain patterns in almost every way, but it's it's they, and they all link in together. It's incredible. I definitely feel this is going off on a little bit of a tangent, but one of the seat like 
the keys to kind of cracking life, the magic key, like, is learning how to understand patterns. And you see mm. it in the economic world, you know, the people who <laughs> yeah. trade and make millions out of Bitcoin and that sort of thing, like where they get good is understanding these patterns because everything repeats, everything cycles. Mm. And it's true in relationships as well. Like when you're able to start seeing relationship patterns, you can really start to take the relationship not where your unconscious is guiding it, but where you want to guide it. Mm. Um, and it's exactly the same in the body and with health. Definitely. So say someone comes in to the clinic to see you, Luke, and they have a water imbalance. Mm. So you come in, you've started, you've felt their pulse, you've felt their tongue, their belly, and they've told you a little bit about what's going on in their life, you know, any stresses, what their main concerns are. What are you going to see? Mm. Well, with the water element, so water element is um, kidney and bladder meridians. Mm. Um, yeah, they're, they're meridians which are particularly associated with the nervous system. Um the biggest thing I think you see with the water element being out of balance is stress. Um, that, that would be the number one for me. Um, people anxious, a bit fearful. Um, you can start to see some things like low libido is a classic example. Um, it's those sort of organs found lower down in the belly, like the reproductive, the urinary systems. Uh, you might have frequent urination, that kind of thing. Um, and then, you start to see sort of like some of the flow on effects from that. So for example, um, sore lower back or tight hamstrings, these areas of like where the bladder lines, which run up and down the back of the body can get um, a bit stagnated or a bit tight. Um, so yeah, that, that would be the big ones for me. Some, I mean, the classic is someone comes in, they're dealing with stress, they've got a sore back, um, Maybe libido isn't so good, they're having a bit of trouble sleeping, like that sort of thing. It's a really classic combination with the water element. Mm, and the adrenal glands sit right on the kidneys, which is one of the major organs of that. And so it's like adrenal fatigue. Totally, that's, totally. It's kind of that yep. adrenal fatigue picture, which you might, that's the way of describing it biomedically, I guess. And, and a yeah. massive, like, massive part of traditional Chinese medicine is this concept of Jing, which is our kind of deep energy supply in the body that supplies all of our energy. Um, and there's parallels in different systems of medicine. Um, but it's essentially housed in the kidney, in the kidney meridian. So yeah, when you start to find a deficiency in the water element, you'll get a deficiency in energy and people will start coming in, they're fatigued, um, mm. running on empty, that sort of thing, needing shots of caffeine to keep going. Yeah. And so how do we treat this person? Like, and so I think what, what ways can we support them? So one, we can support them with body work, we can support them with herbs, we can support them with diet. And I guess the main thing I would want to say for anyone who's, I mean, everyone in this day and age has got a bit of gene deficiency because it's exhausting living in a capitalist society, but mm. it's rest, you know, definitely these people need rest. They need deep, deep rest. Um, and so that's sort of the main lifestyle advice I would give to someone in that sense. But in body work, what can we do? Yeah, so body work specifically, um, we'll definitely be looking at the bladder lines. So the bladder line, uh, if you think of the erector muscles, which run up and down just outside the spine and then uh, running right down sort of through the glutes into the main hamstrings, down into the calf, 
this this is what they call the bladder line in the body um and it's particularly useful for dropping people into that parasympathetic nervous system um yeah just relaxing the nervous system basically getting them on their belly lying down the belly yeah. on the earth they're recharging from the earth and we're just you know like walking up and down the bladder lines really calming and working in a slow restful mm. state and we can work around the kidneys we can like bring warmth there mox is amazing mm -hmm. the kidneys um yeah and we can really start to try and bring life back into this this body and allow it to sort of rejuvenate from a deep place mm, deep mm, state of rest definitely yeah and we'll work with things like breathing and encouraging that deep breathing because that's mm. one of the best ways to break that stress cycle and start bringing energy back into the body yeah. um, and i find with the water element we always tend to work with the psoas muscle as well which is um not a commonly known muscle but it's it's the largest muscle in the body running across the front of the thighs um, connecting up under the ribs um, but it's our real I think of it as a sort of a fluidity muscle it gives us a lot of our hips fluidity and, and that sort of movement that graceful mm, the dancing water quality the dance yeah mm. and that's really sort of what we're trying to bring people back to when we're working with the water element is that quality of water um, and if you think of like that deep river, which is flowing and it's strong and it's powerful and um, in some of the ways that kind of manifests in a sort of human system is like having that sensuality and that flow and that creativity and lots mm. of potential Definitely. and just overcoming obstacles. So, yeah, that's kind of what a healthy water element might look like. Mm. And so I might be suggesting to them also that they just go and do something creative, something that brings them joy creatively, dancing, painting, whatever, having a bath even. Um, and, and then also with that, I would say it's what supportive foods and herbs can go along with this. So then I'm thinking from that lens. And so I guess you're really wanting to, when you're wanting to nourish the um, water element, think it's like water. So you've got um, salty foods like seaweeds and then some really supportive herbs and nettle. So nettle is actually, it's an adrenal tonic, um, but it's also deeply nutritive. So it's when you soak it overnight, it goes like dark black. So it's drinking nettle tea, having seaweeds. There's also like licorice is another beautiful one because it's quite watery. It's got this actually a sweet nature, but that's a really beautiful adrenal tonic. Um, probably warm cooked foods. Yeah, I think just that's what I would recommend for someone with some adrenal fatigue I, and also adaptogens. You wanted to talk mm. about adaptogens. So adaptogen basically is the herbal action or term for a herb, tonic herbs, herbs that boost our vital force. Yeah, ad adaptogens, I guess the word comes from its ability to, if you're too much of something, it can bring you back the other way. So. Yeah, if you're too anxious or whatever, it'll calm that if you're... Actually, can you can you explain that better? Well, it's... it's Yeah, I mean, it's it's a boosting herb. Like, it's in a, a tonic, basically. Mm. Yeah. Mm. For, it helps us to adapt to stress. That's what they help us to do. Yeah, and it works sort of bi-directionally. Mm. Maybe is the word I'm looking for. Yeah, I, there's so many good adaptogens. I mean, if there was one takeaway... I would give to people in this podcast it would be gynostemma 
is my personal favourite um, herb I've worked with for a long time. It's a beautiful adaptogen, great for the nervous system, great for stress, mm-hmm. has so many benefits. What's its botanical name? Uh, I just call it gynostemma. It's also called jiaogulan mm. in Chinese. Yeah, where's it from? China. Okay, how can people get it? Through the interweb. Okay, yeah. See, Luke really loves herbs that are from far away. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I reckon go, go for it, yeah, for sure. Always think about the quality and try and learn about the practices that the people um, are taking when they're farming herbs, when you're buying them from overseas. And I think also it's really important to know that, like, take into consideration um, any endangered species as well. I think that's there's so many fad herbs out there. Um, mm. So I'm like a full advocate of anything that grows that you can grow in Australia and grow yourself or wild forage. But anyway, yes, amazing. Janice Deva, check it out. Um, yeah, is there anything else we want to talk about with the water element? I think we're good. Okay, cool. So what about a metal? Metal, okay, so lung, large intestine, meridians. Mm-hmm. Um, what would someone look like coming in with a metal imbalance? Uh, so when you're talking lung, one of the first things we talk about is the immune system. There's a really close correlation there. And if you go see your TCM therapist or your acupuncturist and you're having a bit of an immune condition, I can guarantee you they'll be working with your lung meridian and some of those mm-hmm. lung points. Um, so that could be one. Um, I mean, a major aspect of the metal element is this quality of letting go and being able to let go um, in both the lungs and the large intestine. And so we see that play out in different ways. Um, with the large intestine, we might see constipation, for example. Um, what else do we see? Yeah, hunched shoulders might be one for the metal element. And that's, um, again, holding. It's holding sort of through the pec minor area of the body around the lungs. That area can get stiff and hold and sort of bring the shoulders forward. I think one thing when you spoke before at the start about how, what was that example you gave about something like losing your job? What was it? Yeah, and I then think, you get, yeah, so having you get that thought. Having a thought and then it turning into a physical manifestation of the body. So like flushed cheeks or anything. So in the metal element, one of the emotions that it really related to the lungs is grief. So, you know, loss, mm. you know, holding mm. on to make maybe like yep. a loved one passing or lo- losing a relationship. And that's maybe where the, the shoulders come in, the mm. hunching to holding on that grief. Element, and that's where maybe you see that manifesting. Yeah. And just one of the sort of totems in TCM associated with the metal element is the knife and this quality of just being able to cut things and let them go. Um, and yeah, sometimes when you see people come in with a real sort of heaviness about life, it can be a sign that, yeah, something in the metal element isn't flowing. It's not being let go. Mm, yeah. And I think the season that the metal element relates to, cause they all relate to a season, but don't worry too much about that. Mm. <laughs> it's complicated is the autumn, which is a time traditionally of letting go. Mm, mm. Um, it's also a time when people get cold as well. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know, this per- a person might come in, um, depression with sort of depressing depression symptoms, dry skin, pale. And so how are we going to treat? Like what, what body work are we going to do? Yeah. So there's some really powerful 
what they call the letting go points in the body. So uh, if someone, say, is coming in with sort of a really long-standing, deep sort of grief or depression about something, um, these points can be magic about just letting it come up and letting it leave the body or flow out of wherever it's sort of being trapped. Um, yeah, we'll work with the diaphragm um, just to help sort of the lungs and help that breathing. Um, we'll definitely be working with the large intestine and, and specifically two key areas where sort of the large intestine runs into trouble is what they call the sigmoid colon and the ileocecal valve, which is the two valves, firstly, where the small intestine flows into the large intestine, and then when the large intestine flows into the rectum. And that's often where you can start to see some blockages in the body. Um, also up around the transverse colon, where there's some sort of tight um, turns, if you like, really acute angles, um, is other places where basically stuff just gets clogged. Mm, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Um, and I guess sort of food and herbs, it, that's depending on what's coming in because I guess it's pretty, um, pretty variant. But I suppose if someone's got depression, there's yeah, a lot of herbs that can, can be really, really useful. So things like St. John's wort, which have actually got elements of the sun and the fire element in there to sort of warm up the system. You know, if someone's got immunity, compromised immunity, they've been battling with lung infections or colds, you know, we can boost the immune system with lots of more fire herbs. Um, we can also increase um, kind of elimination pathways. So we can use diaphoretic herbs, herbs that promote sweating, like fenugreek um, and elderflower. And yeah, we can also also, licorice is a really great one because it lubricates, warming, it helps us to eliminate. Um, I guess if someone's also holding on with a large intestine and experiencing constipation, um, there's, yeah, herbal medicine is incredible for promoting bowel movements, maybe bitter herbs as well to help because bitter herbs, the energy is moving down and out. Um, but bitter herbs can also be cold. So it's, yeah, it's obviously, there's so many different plants we can work with. Um, here, but yeah, I think I would also be recommending that they have warm foods like nourishing, building foods um, for the system, warm cooked foods, not eating raw fruits and cold food because that's um, maybe too drying and cooling for the system. With someone who's got depression, you're wanting to warm them up, maybe a bit of fruit if it's sunny, if it's mm. hot. And that's the other thing, like there's no one pattern, there's, everything is always a combination of so many things. and the more we're just talking about these as examples really to show how everything works in together. But yeah, the more you, if you're already a practitioner and you're already seeing these patterns, that's amazing. But and if you're just getting into it, yeah, it's the, the, there is no one formula for anything. Mm. They're very useful, the pattern within TCM. Um, the metal element in particular is one where you see uh, things that support say the lung meridian also supports sort of the large intestine meridian and, and the organs themselves. So exercise is a great example. You know, exercise is incredible for getting things moving in the bowels, um, mm. but it's also amazing for the lungs and the amount of energy that you're bringing into the body through the lungs. 
Totally. Yeah. And I mean, in traditional Chinese medicine, they also have their own specific indicated herbs, Chinese herbs. Mm. So we're just, we're not coming from that. We're kind of talking more about it, adapted um, practice here, which we're integrating lots of different systems. So want to acknowledge that lineage as well. Mm. But we better keep going because we've still got three more um, to go. So should we go fire? Fire, fire. So heart, small intestine. Um, you get some really clear indicators for things going on with the fire elements. So the face can tell you a little bit. The tongue can tell you a lot. So if you want to check your own sort of fire element at home, a really easy way to go and do it is just to um, find a mirror and look at your tongue and check out especially the tip of the tongue around there. If you're getting like a lot of redness, um, it's a classic sign of like the fire element being a bit... Uh, in excess. In excess, yeah, a bit overstimulated. Um, yeah, so we might see people coming in maybe with some of that cardiac sort of stuff, like some blood pressure issues, that kind of thing. Um, really common one associated with the fire element is insomnia and sleep trouble. So without wanting to go into the whole TCM understanding of the world, I will just mention briefly that they have this concept of the Shen, which is kind of like the spirit and in TCM, they talk about the Shen, it's, its home is in the heart, which is where it likes to live. And when it's not there, when it sort of goes walkabout, um, everything gets thrown out of whack. Like you can get a bit scattered, um, all sorts of issues with sort of memory and the mind and that sort of stuff. But a big one is, um, yeah, that inability to just have a nice, restful, graceful, easy entry into sleep. <laughs> nice restful graceful <laughs> easy entry into sleep that's all i'm asking for <laughs> yes definitely um so yeah i think so the heart and the small intestine are the two meridians associated with the fire element mm. and you can you can see someone with scattered um, anxiety maybe laughing a bit erratically or talking really fast or like nah, mm. that's kind of scattered heart energy anxiety like <laughs> it's all up it's higher up it's sitting up here it's not grounded um and so i guess that leads into quite naturally what practices you're wanting to ground someone with the heat's rising up and they're hot they're flushed mm. in the face red tip of the tongue you're wanting to bring that down and ground so maybe some work with the feet the legs mm. grounding them not agitating and doing hard and fast um body work but really bringing some water in there cooling the fire mm. maybe um, working some of the um points the the water element points absolutely i think you probably hit on a really key aspect of bodywork in general and, and especially Zentai that we haven't talked about too much, which is the way we approach how we're touching someone. So it's not just the specific points we're pressing or the specific muscle or whatever we're working with, but our whole approach and whether that's slow and calm or, or, or it might not be. It might be fast and like invigorating and lots of movement because sometimes that is what people actually need. And the fire element itself can be a really good example of that because generally when the fire element goes out of balance, it will go into excess and that kind of scattered sort of manic state where people can flip between joy and sadness really quickly. But not always. Like sometimes you can see it go into deficiency and that's where you get people presenting with their maybe quite expressionless, they're quite dull, they're a bit humorless, like everything's got really flat and that kind of spirit has gone out of the body a little bit um, and that's a 
we might use a different approach for that sort of person. Like we might be looking to invigorate them, shake them up a little bit. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so I guess it's looking for excess, looking for deficiency, looking for heat, looking for cold, mm. working with kind of, yeah, opposite, <clears throat> composite elements there. Um, yeah, and then specifically, like, we'll be working with the heart meridian, which is um, particularly working with the arms and the hands. So there's a lot of sort of heart meridian points through those parts of the body. Um, Sometimes you'll see this kind of like heart excess find its way up into the traps, up into the neck. So they're often points which are holding tension that we might want to release. Um, yeah, and just, just opening up in general. Um, and this is where we sort of connect back to the small intestine, which is it's just about opening up and allowing things to flow and allowing things to move. Um, there's this great saying, I can't remember where I first heard it, but... The movement is the medicine and that's particularly true when we're working with the small intestine as an organ where um a lot of what we're doing is just introducing movement so the stagnancy can naturally be released mm, definitely and in terms of herbs and lifestyle practices i think singing is beautiful meditating calm bringing calm and grounding walking outside bare feet on the earth um and terms of herbs like there's some really specific indicated herbs for the heart motherwort is a really beautiful one that holds and centers the heart can be great for um problems like blood pressure problems uh things like that some and more an energetic one is hawthorn which is one i've worked with a lot which is a really beautiful herb to kind of hold the heart um and allow you know when there's a big capacity it's kind of almost grounding it's just Hawthorn is a really beautiful heart tonic. Mm. Yeah, so they can work really well. There's also cooling herbs maybe for the nervous system, nervous system herbs like passion flower is really beautiful, chamomile, um, and these when we're really, really activated and overactivated, they can just, yeah, bring some calming clarity to the heart there. Um, yeah, now finally, let's, should we land it down with earth? Yes, but we also shouldn't forget wood. Oh gosh, so many, oh my god. <laughs> All right, fine. All right, well, let's go to wood then. Wood, great. Okay. So liver, gallbladder, um, someone might come in with sore joints is a classic one. So whenever we're working with the wood element, often we're working with hips and shoulders. So shoulders not playing nice, pain in shoulders, that sort of thing, tight hips. Yeah, just... Um, hip flexibility because a woody person we should describe a woody person a woody person just goes they're so driven they just do this they wake up and they go and they go for a run and then they do their job and then they've got six jobs and then they're mm. like starting seven businesses and then la, 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 dun, 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 really driven a fast growing sapling tree you know yeah I, actually tcm talks about that um concept of of different sort of trees in terms of wood and how when a tree gets sort of too rigid or too hard or that sort of thing, it, it, it's actually in danger of breaking. Mm. Whereas the most beautiful quality you can see in wood is this quality of like a young sapling. It's growing and it's got direction, but it's like, it's got flexibility. It's got adaptability, those kind of qualities. Mm. Although I <laughs> just, when you said that, it was like, but I really like big old trees, like <laughs> million thousand year old trees. Like they're also beautiful. Well, they're, they're a sign of a healthy, wood element 
Yeah, and then I get let them grow. Okay, but when it does get old, it will snap some of the branches. That's true. Which too. is maybe okay, but maybe not in a human being. Mm. If you just snap your arm off. Not ideal. Okay. All right. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I think you probably touched on maybe some of those more energetic qualities we might see with the wood imbalance, which is anger is the classic one. Whenever you're dealing with sort of a liver symptom, is that anger, that frustration, that reactivity. Um, yeah, and would generally like sometimes that rigidity or that um, overly controlling nature can be signs of a wood imbalance. Um, and then with the gallbladder specifically, um, the gallbladder in Chinese medicine is sort of the center for making decisions. So if you're seeing like indecision and that sort of thing, it can be a sign of wood imbalance. Mm, yes, beautiful. I have a I have a bad habit of fidgeting and twitching when I'm doing this sort of thing, and I, I can just see Lily's eyes like flicking down to my hand sometimes, and I'm, now I'm like, ooh, is this a sign of a wood imbalance? <laughs> maybe, maybe. One thing, um, another time you'll often see wood imbalance is in the end, like in the premenstrual phase of a woman's cycle. That's when get a bit livery um yeah and there can be a bit of a wood excess like and that's irritability um yeah because i guess the liver is trying to process different shifts in hormones mm. there's actually so many reasons why irritability can come up then mm -hmm. but yeah a bit livery in the premenstrual phase i'm not premenstrual right now but still <laughs> yeah so how we support someone in with a wood imbalance? Mm. In Zentai itself, um, the wood element is probably one of the easiest to deal with because it will often present with some really clear symptoms. So someone might come in and their hips might be rigid, their hips might be locked, you know, they haven't danced in 10 years or something. Um, and they, they need some movement in the hips they need some flexibility there so we might be doing like a lot of twists and that sort of thing um yeah shoulders might be a lot of shoulder work um hips, yeah, hips hips, and shoulders. yeah hips and shoulders movements just generally good for the wood element um, one of the reasons being is that the liver as an organ is so associated with detoxification in the body and the lymphatic system and the lymphatic system really loves movement so we have someone coming in who's quite woody we might be sort of like introducing what they call harmonics which is just like a gentle rocking of the body and doing that a bit more um, and maybe some more dynamic movement um, yeah and then um, getting even more specific we might work with the liver itself trying to bring some freedom and movement into the liver if we're seeing signs of stagnation or congestion that sort of thing we might work with the IT bands, which might be tight. They're really specifically associated with the gallbladder. Um, and then the gallbladder meridian itself runs all over the head, actually. Um, it sort of goes and bends back on itself multiple times when it runs up sort of the side of the head. And so they, in TCM, they really look at this association between the wood element and things like headaches and migraines. So. We might be doing like a lot of point work around the head to sort of release some of that um, energy. Mm. Yep, definitely. Yep, so much you can do for the wood element. And I guess mm. herbally, um, 
yeah, there's some beautiful liver herbs out there. Um, my, one of my favourites is dandelion because it's bitter and it's, yeah, it's helping, it's promoting digestive secretions as well because when there's excess heat um, and liver stuff going on, um, constipation can also come up. So, yeah, I think dandelion's cooling. It's it's the energy is moving out and down. It's a very very mild laxative. So yeah, dandelion's my all time number one. Um, just a da- if you're a coffee drinker, I think that was something we didn't talk about um, with the fire element as well. But caffeine can ag- aggravate. I think the fire element, um, and I think as well maybe a woody temperament, they may tend to love caffeine. Mm. <laughs> um, so I would recommend dandelion as a maybe every second day having a dandelion, roasted dandy instead of a coffee. Um, yeah, and there's really beautiful liver protective, hepatoprotective um, herbs that you can take as well. Yeah, but bitter herbs for sure, green vegetables, and also, yeah, moving with a bit of water. So when we're moving the body around, just moving it with water, watery quality, soothing mm. it, dancing mm. it, flowing the body. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, especially the green leafy vegetables. I think you mentioned a, for me a massive one with the wood element. I mean, they're just so good at supporting the liver, all the liver functions, but especially detoxification. Mm, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Wow. All right, we got there. How are we going? For, I think we're going well for time. Let's do We've earth. Still got earth. Yeah. Uh, so earth, spleen, stomach, um, probably goes without saying we're looking at um, digestion, especially with the earth element. Um, how can that present? Bloating is a really common one, um, signs of dampness. The tongue is a really great indicator for anything happening with digestion. Um, someone might be sort of craving sweets. Let's talk about the tongue. So Let's we're, talk about the tongue. So like so stomach and spleen are the two organs for the earth element mm. and if someone's got a spleen deficiency in chinese medicine they believe that the spleen is responsible for transforming our food into blood mm-hmm. and if there's a spleen deficiency it's not it's not getting the support that it needs it's overburdened your food won't be your blood your food will be not being absorbed and broken down as well mm. um, and so they see and so you might see ridging on the um, edges of the tongue and in you know, from a, from like a naturopathic understanding as well, when you see ridging on the sides of the tongue, that's nutrient deficiency. Mm. So from that biomedical perspective, so yeah. it's 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 kind of very similar, and so you'll assume that someone's digestion is impaired, mm. um, and that might be due to stress. Um, it might be due to gut stuff going on but there's a number of ways we can support the stomach and spleen in body work mm. and then with the stomach and the tongue um, often what you can get with the tongue is good signs of dampness or stagnation mm. or coldness there's, there's different words they all sort of mean the same thing but one of the beauties of the tongue is it helps give an indication of where this is happening in the body so if you're seeing like a more heavy sort of coating around the middle of the tongue that might be a sign that there's a fair bit of stagnation in the stomach itself. Whereas if it's lower, sort of more towards the back of the tongue, the further back it is, sort of the lower in the body it is. So if you're seeing sort of heavy coating right back towards the back of the tongue, like that's sort of suggesting stagnation in the large intestine. Mm. Yep, yep. Yeah, so 
I think people with like a spleen deficiency or indigestion, you know, there can be fatigue happening there, mm. water retention, yep. sluggish, yep. Um, things aren't moving, being processed and assimilated. It's like the stomach fire has gone out even, you could say. And that can be mm. also from eating the wrong foods, yep. um, too much food, overeating, worrying too much, thinking too much. Thinking too much is a massive one. Yeah. Mm. It draws energy out of the digestive area of the body where it's meant to be doing its job up into the mind. Mm. Um, that's, it's a classic uh, with signs of deficiency in the earth element. It, it'll often be associated with um, too much mental activity, overthinking. Mm, mm. Yeah, so ways to support and body work. Yeah, well, ways to support. We're, we're really trying to bring the person back to that more grounded state. Um, so, yeah, a fundamental with the earth element and body work is lots of touch um, and grounding earthy touch. A touch which is bringing someone like right back into the body, out of the mind. So we might do a lot of work with the feet, for example, to draw that energy out of the mind really back into the body um yeah belly work is really big i think for stomach and spleen lines the the meridians themselves so there's working with the spleen meridian um and then the stomach meridian um and there's some really powerful points actually to support um digestion and what's happening in the stomach and just energy levels and things like fatigue in general mm, yeah mainly in the legs as well yeah yeah a lot the earth element stuff will be really heavy on the legs mm, yeah and then supportive foods and herbs. I think to support the spleen and the stomach, it's great to eat, um, if there's not excess heat in the stomach, is to eat easily digestible warm cooked foods. So sweet potato, pumpkin, maybe some nice really gentle soups and broths. Mm. They're really easy to assimilate when you cook a one pot meal, all the foods cooked in together and mixed. And so it's mm. your body can yeah, it's, it's, it sort of combines all that food together. Proper food combining is another thing. Mm. I think if you're eating cold, like a cold, imagine a cold picnic with like some like pickles and then some onions over there and then some cheese over here and then some meat here and then some biscuits there. Like it's just, it's quite hard. That's a lot of different information and cold things for the body to process, especially if you're, you're already not digesting well. So you just mm. want to keep it really simple and eat regular meals the same time each day, three regular meals, not too much. Um, and that will allow the body to assimilate and digest. Some really great herbs I love, like fennel and ginger, because they're gently warming the stomach um, and they're helping, us to, helping to kindle the stomach fire um, and promote that. Like bitter herbs can be good again, but maybe just be careful not to take too much because bitter herbs are very cooling. So maybe just a little bit of bitters, like a, some green leafy dandelion leaves just before the meal to stimulate those digestive secretions to get the bile moving. And so you're really getting all of your food in and like sitting down to eat, smiling when you eat, blessing your food. Those kinds of things can really nourish the earth element. Yeah. And just... exercise as well exercise yeah. getting the body moving having some doing some really great cardio that's a great way of boosting that um earth element i know when i've been studying heaps and i'm not eating proper meals and i'm just thinking way too much yeah my digestion can really go out mm, absolutely 
I think you touch on a really good point too with that, which is uh, everyone's different. Like everyone's so individual um, and so raw food, for example, what, what is its relationship to the earth element? Raw food can be really great if you have the ability to assimilate it, if mm. you can absorb it. Um, but a lot of us, we're simply not capable of living off a raw food diet and trying to will really throw us out of whack. So, yeah, the earth element is, is an example of where it becomes really important to understand, like, where's your body at? What is your body's capacity? Can, mm. can you do, like, a raw smoothie for breakfast? Maybe you can. If you can, it's great for the nutrients. But if you can't digest that, then then you're going to run into a lot of trouble. Mm, yeah, yeah. What did Kamana say, one of our teachers? It's not what you eat, it's what you absorb, which mm. is great to remember. And, like, it, I would recommend to anyone listening to this, if you haven't already, just... Like maybe go and see an Ayurvedic practitioner or an um, Chinese medicine practitioner or a Zen Thai practitioner, but someone who can talk to you about your constitution um, and say, yeah, maybe you've got some clues about where you're, oh, you've got some heat or where you're colder. Mm. And yeah, so you can tailor and it's going to change. What you eat is going to change seasonally. It's going to depend on where you are, what climate you're in, where you're at in your menstrual cycle. Like it's, it's mm. changing every day. And so we need to be... Yeah, I guess just deeply in touch with that, the shifting nature of it. Absolutely. And, and the beauty of these sort of more traditional systems is it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. They're much better at sort of helping you get an understanding of where you're at as an individual. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So thanks for listening to all of that. That was a great um, summary. I think we did well. Um, yeah, we've, we're sort of coming towards the end now. Um, if you have any questions or anything, feel free to send us a message. But I don't know if you want to talk really briefly, maybe in a couple, just for a couple of minutes about, um, yeah, your any final comments around energy and matter? Mm. Yeah, I, I think it may be the point that is just worth reiterating which is that these traditional systems of medicine, what we work with in Zentai, what we work with in herbalism, are perhaps better at understanding this relationship between energy and matter than Western science. Western science has some big limitations, and we see that play out empirically in the world. We see, for instance, in America, America spends more per person on healthcare than anywhere else in the world. But the last time the World Health Organization measured sort of the health of different countries like america was far from number one they were down like around 50 or something like their approach which which is very much based on sort of segregation and separation and that sort of thing simply doesn't work and, and the evidence we have the evidence for that um it's really clear so yeah i think maybe yeah, I'll just park it there. I think we've probably covered <laughs> enough content. Um, I mean, I was thinking maybe just to give a sort of final example of how this really works. And, you know, a classic example that we see sometimes, let, let's call this person John. Um, John might come in and he's had a lot of stress. And that stress has sort of like really parked in the small intestine, which, which is pretty common. For that to happen and then yeah it's it's then causing sort of constipation in the large intestine it's having an influence um, 
on the diaphragm, on the psoas muscle, on the lower back. Um, things aren't moving, there's stagnation. Toxins are being, just not being released. Um, and there, there's two sources of toxins in the world. There's the energetic, the emotional ones, and there's the ones that we take in through, yeah, especially diet, but also pollutants and things like that. Um, and a toxin is a toxin. It, it doesn't really matter whether it comes from a material source or it comes from an energetic source. Like, yeah, when, when we're working with body work, when we're working with herbs, like what we're just trying to do is, is move it out of the body and bring the body back to balance. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you, Luke. That's great. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, we've really gone deeply into this. And so, yeah, I recommend trying out some form of body work if you're not getting it regularly. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, I love Zentai. I just think it's incredible. And I feel really grateful to our teachers and I feel really grateful for this journey of, and it's, I'm so early on in the path. I'm just a small, small, small step into the ocean. So, um, yeah, I just hope to keep walking and swimming, learning more. Mm, that's great. Yeah. I think one of the reasons it does take so long, like this sort of path is, is we are trying to learn about and understand the underlying patterns. And for anyone dealing with like some sort of chronic condition, um, the biggest takeaway I would offer is that it's not so much about how it's manifesting, whether it's a rash or whether it's a, yeah, some sort of physical ailment. Like what's really, really important to understand to do your own healing is to try and see that underlying pattern and see where there's yeah stuff being blocked or not flowing well or whatever it is mm, definitely all right thanks luke thanks, thanks for listening we'll put our links in the bio and have a beautiful rest of your day or night